1 Samuel chapter 17, we've been doing a study through the account of David and Goliath. And I don't, I forget what part this is. I, I suppose I've lost track. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 17, reading verse 41 today. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went, went before him. That's as far as we're going to get. Um, doing a, a quick recap in this, uh, there was a man in Mesopotamia whose name was Abram. And in Genesis chapter 12, God called Abram, said, get away from your family, get away from your people, get away from that land, and I'm going to show you a land that I will give you. And by your seed, by your people, you will be a blessing unto all nations. In chapter 15 of the book of Genesis, that same Abram was told that a future generation of his would go into a land that was not theirs, and, and they would be in bondage. And after 400 years, I believe starting with Isaac, that after 400 years they would go unto that land of promise, Canaan. The grandson of Abram, his name was changed to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17. The grandson of Abraham, Abraham had Isaac and Isaac had Jacob. And Jacob was a real jerk and a scoundrel. God saving him, he changed his name to Israel. Changed his name to Israel. And Israel, they came out of, of Egypt by, by wonderful signs and wonders. And you could read all about that in Exodus chapter 12, chapter 1 through chapter 12. We're not going to read all that. Just, just letting you know what happened. After they came out of bondage, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And after that time of wandering, the Lord led the children of Israel across Jordan and into the land of Canaan. And, and he used Joshua, that instrument, to, to, to lead them as, as, their, as their general, you could say, as their leader. And as they went into Canaan, there were several groups that were a nuisance and a bother to the children of Israel. And one of those nations were, were known as the Philistines, the, the, na uh, the, the nation of Philistinia, the Philistines. They, they were a bother to the children of Israel, and that mostly because they did not put the Philistines out. They tried to subjugate them rather than doing what the Lord had told them to do. Now, fast forward several hundred years, you go through the book of Judges, and, and you, you go through the, uh, the book of, uh, of Ruth, which is part of the book of Judges, and now, now you start into 1 Samuel, and Samuel was the last of the Judges, but the first of those prophets. You see in 1 Samuel chapter 17, now the Philistines, that, that group that Israel had been bothered by, they gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shokah, which belonged to Judah, and pitched between Shokah and Azekah and Ephes Damim. So the enemy came to the, to the, to the war front, to the, to the territory of the children of Israel. Keep reading through verse 11. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the, on the one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley in between them. So there was a space between them. And there went out a champion or a, a great man of the camp of the Philistines whose name was Goliath. And his name also means separation or a gap. So there was a, a space between the people, but also Goliath, he was... Big and, and, and great, over nine feet tall, better than all the rest. And if you go back and study about King Saul, he was head and shoulders above the people in Israel. So this man was a giant, even of giants, whose, whose height was six cubits in a span. That's over nine feet. 
He had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. Massive man, massive man. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Who are ye come out to set your why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Aren't we better than you? Why do you think you can do this thing? Choose you a man and let him come down to me. If you be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall you be our servants. And serve us. You see what's on the line there. You see this battle that's set forth, all the terror and the dread. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And with Saul and all Israel, all these brave men, all these war battled, these warriors here, they're ready there. They set themselves up to fight. And when they heard what this man said, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Can you see the battle? Can you see it? Verse 12. And David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons, and the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. That's Jesse. If you go back to chapter 16, you see that David was a young and ruddy. He was the youngest of all these he uh, read he, he, he didn't look like the typical warrior. In fact, while the three older brothers were on the battlefront, he was he was at home fighting lions and bears, but fighting home. He was at home. And verse 17, Jesse said unto David, his son, take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren. And carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand, and, and look how thy brethren fare, your three brother, brothers that are out there on the front line, and take their pledge. Now Saul and, and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went and, and as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the trench as, he, as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. Nobody's fighting yet. They're just all set up here. The tension has been built. And David left his carriage, and if you read back, the, the, the giant was taunting them for 40 days. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, uh, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. You imagine that? I've come home before, and, and the kids just scatter, you know, they're trying, trying to hide. You imagine these men, just the sight of one man coming out and talking with him. They all flee into their tents. They all, they all hide behind different stuffs. Sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? You look at him. Just look at him. Surely to defy Israel as he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king, will enrich him with great riches. Verses 27 through 30. You see, you see here courage in the face of discouragement. David spake to the men that stood by him, 
saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? This guy's out here dogging Israel and the God of Israel. What's going to be done to the man that kills this guy? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that man without promise, that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killed him. And Eliab, the eldest brother, David's oldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down thither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thy heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. He went from person to person. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? What's going to be done to the man that kills this guy? And when the words were heard, which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. Saul, King Saul, sent for David. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Let no man's heart fail because of Goliath, is what David said. Thy servant, I will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. So again, David, this boy, he shouldn't have been there by man's standards, but you see all this discouragement. And David, David continues in the Lord saying, No, the Lord shall grant victory. Complete dependence on the Lord. Verses 34 through 37. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and it took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Great courage in the Lord. David said, Moreover, the Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Complete dependence on the Lord. That's what's lacking in the rest of the camp, but that's what the Lord granted unto David. Complete dependence on the Lord. If you look at the army of the armor and the weaponry that King Saul in verses 38 tried to set, 38 through 40, tried to set on David, it's pretty identical to the armor that that uh, that that Goliath was wearing. And David said, No, I have not proved these things, so he put them off. He couldn't even move in the stuff. He went down with his staff and with his bag and out of the stream. He took out five stones, one for Goliath, one for his four brothers. And he went out. It says, look at verse 40. And he drew near, he knew he drew near to the Philistine. He drew near to the Philistine. As David drew near, looking back in chapter 16, you could you can read that God had anointed David to be the king of Israel, that he would reign in Saul's stead. There was providence and victory. David was assured by God that victory was ahead. David was assured by God of his kingship. David was assured by God that God himself would indeed continue in his promises. That's why he kept referring back to the issue of circumcision. That God by oath in Genesis chapter 17 had promised the children of Israel that he would indeed be their God. He promised Abraham. 
I want you to see something just for a moment. We're going to step away from what's going on in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want you to see something in Mark, the book of the Gospel according to Mark, in chapter 4. So we can apply some of these things to our own lives. David going out to this battle to meet the Philistine. All this courage he's got. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. It says, And the same day when the even was come, he, the Lord, saith unto them, his disciples, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as uh, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there was a great storm of wind, and the waves beat unto the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, when they wake him and say to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the sea and said unto the sea, Peace, be still, and I believe as glass. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Now faith, faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. They might have said, You are our God. They called him Lord. Where is the evidence of that? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? But looking back up to verse, verse number 35, he promised them they would go to the other side, didn't they? That's why he rebuked them in verse number 40. I promised you we'd go to the other side. Why are you afraid then? That's where David's heart is, I believe, with that same thought. As he approached unto the Philistine in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 40, he approached unto the Philistine for having faith in God that God would indeed deliver them, that he would be, that, that, that this giant would indeed be as that bear and as that lion. He, he hoped in the Lord. He truly did. Is, is God any less God today? I would say no. The Bible surely declares it. You look in John chapter 11, the Lord speaking to that woman speaks of though one, though one be dead, yet he lives in Jesus Christ. John chapter 11, speaking of Lazarus. The children of Israel were to trust in the Lord and to do what he says, to live lives of victory. And, and how has that charge been changed today at all? David, as he approached unto this Philistine, he trusted in God. Yes, he had his sling, he had his staff, he had the stones, trusting in God. Believers following the Lord. You know, you rise your sail, you're going to catch some wind. David, trusting the Lord, there's, there's, there's contest here. And we know that, that God doesn't live in contest. There's no dualism. But David here is on the battlefield. He is on the battlefield. I know that's a long introduction, but now we know what's going on here. The title of the message this, this morning is, Come on with it. Come on with it. Look at verse 41 again. All that in mind. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. And the man that bare the shield went before him. We didn't, yes, we did. We glanced at it. That there was a guy carrying the shield of, of, of Goliath. Come on with it. Child of God, following after David's pattern, who was trusting in the Lord. I've got news for you that the enemy will come on with it. They will. 
They will. David had actual enemies. I say enemies in the plural because that's true. Of course, there was the, the one enemy that was coming on with, and that man was Goliath. And he was big, and he was strong, and he had armor, and he had a shield, and he had all this stuff over nine feet tall. His armor weighed over 150 pounds. My son, he's growing, but if, if I flinch like I'm coming at him, he, 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 he cringes a little bit. How about a nine-foot giant? How about this man of war? What happened with David? Did he take off running? Did he cringe? We'll look at that in a moment. But the, David, the, the, the enemy will come on with it. I want you to know that. This enemy, he, he drew on to David. David went out there and this enemy come on, came on to him. Verse 41. But also other enemies David had. Some with a sword and a shield and a spear. Look at verse 45. And David said to the Philistine, Then comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. Sometimes our enemies, they make no bones about it. They're just the enemy. And they're going to come on with it. Don't cower. Trust in the Lord. Know that the Lord is able to deliver. But also remember those three Hebrew children when Nebuchadnezzar wanted to throw them in the fire. Say, yes, our God can deliver us. But if he doesn't, guess what? I'm not bowing down to you or that image. God is true and right, and we will, we, will, we will believe Him and trust Him. Some enemies come with discouragement. We read in verse 28, Eliab, his brother, told him everything wrong about him. I know your heart. I know you're this. I know you're that. What a weak person you are. Don't you have other things to be doing? Some, some enemies come with words and features of discouragement. What was David's attitude? Come on with it. He just turned to the next person and said, what are we going to do? Some people come with subtlety. Verses 23 and 20 through 25, we read these men of Israel. Have you seen this man? This subtlety. Trying, trying to talk David out of even being optimistic in the battle. As though they were fellow soldiers, yet they attempted to disquiet him in his boldness. Come on with it. Some enemies come with indifference. Verse 31 and when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he, went, and he sent for him. But you see in verse 30, he told some people, and they didn't do anything with it. They were indifferent. Some enemies are enemies just by simply being indifferent. Maybe, maybe even causing others to doubt. Some enemies, outwardly appearing to help, only weigh the other down. In verses 38 and 39, and Saul armed David with his armor. And he put on a helmet of brass upon his head and also armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor. And he essayed to go. He attempted to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off. So, some, some enemies may even look like they're trying to help you. Remember those fellows that came to uh, Zerubbabel, the governor of Israel? And they said, hey, look, we've worshipped the same God since the days of Esar Hadan. Well, what's all that mean? Well, way back, the Assyrians sent some people to intermingle with the children of Israel and brought their false gods and introduced a bunch of lies. And they said, hey, we're coming here to help rebuild the foundations of the city and all this stuff. We're here to help. What does Zerubbabel tell him? Get out of here, you bunch of snakes. You're not here to help us. You're actually against us. You're no help. You're a hindrance. 
Oh, enemies can come in very different forms, can't they? Be wise, children of God, but also know and have the mindset, come on with it. David was going to serve the Lord, and David, without fear, was going to approach unto that giant, and none of these enemies were going to stand in the way of his, of his diligence in trusting God. Come on with it. One, that adversary, the enemy, the accuser, the devil, that slanderer, he is an enemy. Look in 1 Peter, if you would, please, just for a moment. 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. Be sober, be vigilant. Don't cower, don't run, don't let your heart fail. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walking about, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Be sober, be vigilant. Come on with it. Whom resists steadfast in the faith? Come on with it. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Come on with it. Children of God, consider God Almighty and the testimony of the gospel, and what grace he has bestowed you with. What enemy can separate you from the love of God? What enemy can deter you from obeying his voice? What enemy? Child of God. As the enemy drew near unto David, it says again in the text, the Philistine came on. We ought to. Old Testament and New Testament example. We ought to have the attitude as the children of God. Come on with it. Come on. Earth hinders that attitude. Oh, we can get so overwhelmed. Earth hinders that attitude, doesn't it? Look at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. This world can cloud the confidence of the child of God just simply living unto the Lord. It certainly can. I, I speak from experience here. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, it is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Come on with it. This world has a lot of temptation. I know it does. This world has a lot of distraction. This world has a lot of enemy toward God's people. Don't love it. Don't love with it. Love unto the Lord. Abide in Him. This world hinders. The gates of hell rage against the child of God. You can look in Matthew chapter 7. It talks about a wide and a narrow gate. And then you look at what's spoken in Matthew chapter 16 when the Lord says against his church that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, that wide gate that leads to destruction of false religion, those that may even say, hey, look, we're on the same side. At least we're all reading our Bibles and talking about God in their false gospels. No, we're not companions and we're not co-laborers. Even in subtlety, the gates of hell raging should not deter the child of God should not deter the child of God. Even their own war with our flesh. Look in Romans chapter 7 just for a moment. 
You know, the war that I have with my flesh, it is very discouraging to me. I am discouraged by the war that goes on within me. Look at, look at how Paul identifies as the new man and not that, that old slave to sin. Romans chapter 7 and verse 13. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, then it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. What's all that mean? Well, now that I'm saved, am I free from the law? No, the law, the word of God, it exposes now with understanding my sinfulness. I know better than I ever have what sinful man I am. That's what Paul is saying. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do not allow, for that which I do, I allow not. I do stuff I'm not supposed to, and, and, and for what I would, that I do not. The things I'm supposed to be doing, I don't do it. But what I hate, that I do. That's plain. If then I do that which I would not, if I do the things I'm not supposed to, I can sit under the law that it's good. It's proof that I know that it's bad for me to do it and that the law is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Again, he's, he, he's, he's not separating himself from the responsibility of his sin. But he's, he's identifying as that new, new man in, in the new birth. But he's also saying sin is there. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. You see, you see how he's being crushed here with his sinful condition. A believer, the Apostle Paul. For the good that I would do not, for the good that I would, I do not. Those things I want to do, I don't do. But the evil which I would not, I'm not supposed to do it, I do it. Now, if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Again, that he identifies as that new man. He sees that war, that conflict. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Never shake it, always carrying around that dead body, that dead man. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. You see, the enemy will come on. And the enemy, I carry the enemy around with me, that that wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Same answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I will I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. What is Paul saying there? Yes, First John, earth hinders. Yes, in Matthew, hell rages. Yes, in Romans chapter 7, we have a war with the flesh, but children of God. We ought to echo with David. Come on with it. The battle is on. I will trust the Lord. He shall prevail. Lord, use me in the conflict for your glory. Look here. The enemy will come on at those who rise up. The enemy didn't, look at this. The enemy didn't come on at Saul. It says, look in verse 41. And the, the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. David. The enemy did not come on and draw near unto King Saul. King Saul was head and shoulders above everybody and had this armor that he thought would work. No, why didn't the Goliath go out against uh, King Saul? Because King Saul wasn't doing anything. He didn't come up against Eliab, that old loudmouth negative Nancy. Why didn't Goliath go find Eliab? 
that, that, that distresser and discourager, why didn't he go find Eliab? Why would he? Why didn't Goliath go out unto all those cowards? Chapter 17, verses 10 and 11. Again, read them with me. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of, of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Verse 16. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening, morning and evening, morning and evening, and presented himself 40 days. Verses 23 through 25. And as he talked to them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And David heard them, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, from, fled from him, and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Verse 32. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. David's heart was the only one that didn't fail. Everyone else has had. Why didn't Goliath go up and find one of those guys? Again, the question, why would he? No, as the enemy draws on, we read in 1 Peter chapter 5, he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Who does he go after? He's not going to go after his children. They're already doing what he wants them to do. His assault is on the people of God. That's his assault. The enemy will come on to those who rise up. And it's romantic and glamorous to think every one of us, children of God, would be, you know, as David on that field of battle. Oh, that's what I would do. That's what I would do. Oh, yes, I would sling the stone and I, the Lord would use me for great victory. It doesn't always look like that. The enemy will come on. And as the child of God has the attitude, come on with it. Look in the book of Hebrews just for a moment. May your hearts be stirred. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 32. These, these that say, come on with it. And what shall I say more? What shall I more say for the time? Again, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 32. And what shall I more say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, burned to death, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. They were killing these people's children. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Why not? They had the attitude of, come on with it. I will not, I will not, I will not recant my confession. That they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings, kangaroo courts, scourgings, yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn asunder, cut in half. Were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. 
And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received, not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, seeing we're also accomplished about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Those last few verses of chapter 11, they were looking forward to Christ. We're looking back. We have that assurance. That's what he's talking about. So reading verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12, he's saying, he's saying to the reader, have the attitude, come on with me. Looking unto Jesus, lay everything else aside, run the race, come on with me. The enemy will rise up, and will rise up against those that do rise up. He will come on against those that rise up. That's what happened in the passage. Again, didn't go after Saul, didn't go after Aliab, didn't go after the cowards, didn't go after the water boys, didn't go after everybody else, went after David. I said before, you raise your cell, you're going to catch some wind. The enemy will come on at those with plenty of defense. Look at the text again. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 41. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. Plenty of defense. Remember the shield of a warrior. I don't know, please remember this. The shield of a warrior in those days was big enough to be used as a beer, as a buyer. You all know what that is? It's a device they used to carry the dead. So this is a big shield. This shield was big enough to put Goliath on it if in the event he did die to carry him home. So when you think about this guy carrying the shield of Goliath, it was a big shield. Big shield. The defense of Goliath before God was a foreshadow. This is a foreshadowing of his death. Did David have a shield with him? No. Goliath did. The defense of the enemies of God are what they shall be carried on into their judgment. It, it really is. If you can see that figure, uh, li listen to what is said in Revelation chapter 20 and begin reading in verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. They are carried off. Look. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And they were cast so according to their works. Their works shall be their shield or their beer. Their defense, their justification, their works, what they have done, shall carry them into judgment. I hope you see that. The enemy, with all their defense, is not, it shall be carried away by those things that, that, they, that they rely on as, as the defense of their, uh, of their existence. There was a literal man that carried Goliath's shield, and he thought he was on the winning side, didn't he? Surely he did. Can you imagine being the guy that represents and goes on before Goliath? It says, look at verse 41. 
And the man that bare the shield went before him. He was so confident that he was walking in front of Goliath. That's confidence. He thought he was on the winning side. There's a lot of people who think they're on the winning side and they're carrying, carrying the enemy's shield. There are those that carry the shield of the enemy, Satan himself. I mentioned Matthew chapter 7 before. You see the, the, there's the wide and the narrow gate, and you read down a little bit further, and the Lord Jesus recommends them to beware of false prophets. Why? Because they're carrying the enemy's shield. There are those that tell you how you can get to heaven and how you can get all the things you want and how you can live your best life now and all this other stuff. You keep on reading these people that come before the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, haven't I done this and haven't I done that? And he's going to tell them, depart from me, I never knew you. Why? Because they were carrying the enemy's shield straight to the gates of hell. They thought they were on the winning side. They thought that, that through the religion that they were okay. If you'd ask those people in, in Matthew 7, did you know that you were carrying Satan's shield? Well, you can read in that that they're surprised to be there. Just as much as many of those in Revelation 20 that we just read. Very surprised to know that they carry the enemy's shield. They think they're on the winning side. By deliberately living, by deliberately living things contrary to the gospel. We read in Romans chapter 5 earlier that, that, that those that are sinful, those that are out of the way, those that, are, that, that have no strength at all, that's who Christ justified by His blood, the ungodly. Where's the defense in that? No, those that would speak of the Lord, such as David did, and rest in His promises and rest in His abilities, those are those that would be satisfied. Those that have confidence in self carrying the enemy's shield shall surely be put down. Those that carry the enemy, the enemy's shield, they deliberately live in a sinful, hateful, rebellious condition, trusting in themselves. Even those Pharisees, it says that they trusted in themselves, religiously unsaved. Or by living religiously uh, proud and, and acknowledging uh, their, their state of confidence in themselves. Oh yes, I read every day. That man in Luke that prayed in himself and said, Oh, I thank God. I'm not like that other guy. I pray, I fast, I give, I give this, the tithes, and, and I, I'm this and whatever. Confidence in himself. They go on before. Make you look pretty dumb. I say pretty dumb. That makes it sound light, doesn't it? Carrying that shield, we read in Revelation 20, what does it mean to carry the shield or the defense, that beer, unto judgment before God? Be carried off into judgment. That's exactly what it means. David stood his ground, though, believing God. Look again in verses 36 and 37 of our text, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 36. David says to Saul, Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out. Yes, the, I did it, but the Lord delivered me. The Lord did it. The Lord did it. Delivered me out of the paw of the lion and of the bear. And out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. David stood his ground. This isn't about David. This isn't about David at all. 
This is about the trustworthiness of the Lord. Why was David different than the rest? God granted him, God granted him trust in the Lord. Is God is the Lord less God any today? I believe not. That that sun that's burning in the sky is the same sun that shined over that battle that day, and that by the hand of God. The breath that you breathe today is this is of the same lineage of the breath that God breathed into Adam's nostrils and made him a living soul. That's how powerful God is. One breath sustains human beings throughout all eternity. David stood his ground, but he stood his ground believing God. In verse 41, it says, The Philistine came on and drew near unto David. Now, David was as little and nimble and agile as, as we think he would have been. He could have, as he saw the giant running, he could have got away from him, right? I mean, this little one over here, six, uh, the six-year-old, sometimes I try to harass her, and I'm much bigger than she is, and I try to come at her, and she takes off, and I can't catch her a lot of times. For, the, for Goliath to draw near to David, that means David stood right there in verse 42. And when David looked and, and saw David, he disdained him. David didn't go anywhere. You keep on reading, it says David ran unto him. David stood his ground. David stood his ground trusted in the Lord. David stood his ground with the attitude, all right, Goliath, come on with it. You come to me with a sword and a shield. I come in in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of heaven, whom thou hast defied. You think you got something. Come on with it. Has the Lord become untrustworthy? Don't answer me. Ask in your own lives. Has the Lord become untrustworthy? If he truly is trustworthy, then as we serve him and trust him, we should be confident to the enemy. Come on with us. My God is greater than your God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Overcomers. That's what it says in 1 John. Overcomers. Come on with it. David stood his ground not defending himself. He didn't defend himself. He didn't defend the king. He didn't defend Israel. But he advocated the Lord and the Lord's promises. Verse 26 of the text. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. Standing his ground, David Without yet saying a word to Goliath, he said, come on with it. And then here he came and he approached him in verse 45. He approached him having confidence in the Lord. And again, imagine all this stuff going on in the hillsides and the people and the raging and this young man. And you're not qualified. He's a man of war and you're just a kid. Confidence in the Lord. Come on, child of God. You live in a battle today. Now, the scene of the battle isn't the same in your life as it was in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Maybe there isn't a giant, so as described, nine foot tall and having 150 pounds of armor and a shield that would carry him. You do have an adversary in the devil, though. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, you don't have someone 
such as Ellie of a brother that's casting you down, but you got somebody liking. Maybe, maybe there isn't people in the camp that through subtlety they're trying to discourage you and remove your boldness. Maybe there aren't people in your life that are just indifferent, not, not caring. I suppose that there probably are, though. And maybe there aren't people who are, it seems like they're trying to help you, but they're really hindering you and, and, and reducing your mobility and, and moving out into the battle. I submit to us that we have far more enemies than we, they, than we can care to acknowledge. How do we defeat them? What is our attitude to be? Trusting in the Lord, doing what he says, knowing that there is a lion roaring, as, as seeking whom we may devour. Trusting in the Lord, have the attitude, come on with it. We've been appointed and charged, children of God, charged with the gospel ministry. This church has been charged with the gospel ministry. Come on with it. Yes, earth hinders, hell rages, I have conflict even in my own self. Come on with it. These things are far too important. And God is too, far too great to cow or to run away. Come on with it. The enemy will give you all manner of reasons from different angles just to cause you to sit down and shut up. David said, yeah, everybody else, their heart's failing you. Send me, Saul. You have that attitude, child of God, here am I, send me. The enemy will engage. The enemy, the Philistine came on and drew near into the the, the enemy will come on with it. Truly will. Tell you what, you look at giants square in the face as David did and say, by God and his graces, come on with it. David, he wasn't sure of himself. He was sure of God. That's what he said in verses 36 and 37. God will deliver me. Go back to what we read in the Gospel of Mark. Why don't you have any faith? I told you we're going to the other side. Come on with it. What what storm? What waves? What sea? Come on with it. What enemies? Come on with it. I need encouragement just as much as anybody, if not more than anyone else. I need this message. Come on with it. Enemy, come on with it. Child of God, trust the Lord. Come on with it. Sinner, you are the enemy of God. The majority of this message has been preached to those children of God for assurance to have boldness in the day of trouble against those enemies. You are the enemy of God. By your life, you're no different than Goliath. Now, he was bigger and stronger, had more of a following. You're no different than Goliath. With your mouth and with your speeches, you defy the living God. By your way of life, you defy the living God. By your defenses, you defy the living God. You would want your own assurances that you will save you. In reality, you carry the shield and the faulty defense of Satan himself, which if you read up a little bit in Revelation chapter 20, Satan and the false prophet will be cast, and Antichrist will be cast alive into the lake of fire. For their works, according to their works. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 46. Look at this. Look at what happens to the enemies of the living God. This is, again, this literally happened. We haven't got this far in the study, but this literally happened to Goliath. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from 
from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven. You come on with it. All the earth will know. Verse 49, And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead and the stone sank into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. He was dead. Verse 51, Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Again, think in your mind, Revelation chapter 20, those people flee, there's no place for them to go. And the men of Israel and of Judah rose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until thou come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way to Sharon, even to Gath and unto Ekron. Defeat. The Lord will overthrow his enemies. You're an enemy of God. The Lord will overthrow his enemies. And I, yes, just as much as there's overthrow in Revelation chapter 20, I thank God that there's overthrow in repentance, that he grants repentance, the turning from self unto him, unto God. Repentance, turning and trust, turning from, from trusting in self and religion and knowledge and everything else to simply trusting Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. That's an overthrow. I know when the Lord saved me, he made the dead to live. He overthrew me. The Lord Jesus, he mentions in John chapter 6, that no man can come unto him except the Father which has sent the Lord, draw him or drag him. He's telling that to a bunch of fishermen. You have to overthrow a fish to catch it. I thank God that while he overthrows his enemies in judgment, he also overthrows his enemies in repentance according to the gospel. Please do not dare the Lord. I, I've, been, I've been encouraging the children of God to, against the enemy to come on with it. Well, if you're the enemy of God, do not, do not dare the Lord to come on with it. Do not dare him, for he surely will. I encourage you. I encourage you that Jesus Christ does save his people from their sins. That you would repent by the power of God and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ who is able to deliver from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, the paw of the, and, and the hand of the Philistine, the even out of the paw of your own wretchedness, to deliver, to save his people from their sins. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.